Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show from Media Matters for America. Kat Abugazale is here. Her job at Media Matters is to watch primetime Fox News and report on it, monitor it, She's watched a lot of Tucker Carlson. She's watched a lot of Jesse Waters. She watched a lot of Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, these guys. It's a great job. It's also a terrible job. I'm grateful to her for doing the job and for coming on Prevail to uh, talk about it, because I think that she has a very interesting perspective into what's going on in right-wing media, what the trends are, how it's changed post-J6. We talk about all of that and more. We recorded the interview on February 7th, which is, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Since then, of course, Fox has been all over the news with the Dominion case and the documents that came out that, you know, basically show that Fox is full of shit. They're just lying egregiously. Rupert Murdoch knows that they're lying egregiously, doesn't care. It's not about blue and red. He says it's about green. So, okay, he's a greedy fuck. I mean, we knew this already. Now it's a matter of record Fox is going to lose this case, I'm pretty sure, and it's going to cost them a fuck ton of money. Good, because something's got to change with these people. The other thing that that Rupert Murdoch did, we found out, is he gave Jared Kushner inside information about the Biden campaign's ad strategy, which he's not supposed to do. Someone pointed out on Twitter, probably a bunch of people, it's an in-kind contribution that probably was not declared. And it's, again, this guy, this foreigner, okay? He's not from the United States. We let him in here. You know, Australia didn't want him. We let him in here because he's a gajillionaire, because that's what we do. 
And uh, what has he done? He's made the country, the world, a worse place. He's one of the worst human beings that ever drew breath. And we happily let him into the country for some reason. And he, his thank you note to us for allowing him citizenship in our country is to use all of his wealth and all of his power to destroy America. That's what he's all about, Rupert Murdoch. He just wants America to be destroyed. Guy's 91 years old. Most people, when they're 91, they're happy to just, you know, have good health and enjoy their lives. Not Rupert. No. He wants to give one more fuck you to the next generation of people and just ruin a little bit more, poison the discourse a little bit more, kill more people on the way out indirectly with his fucking garbage spewing by allowing Tucker Carlson and the rest of these hosts to just spew bullshit lies into the discourse and suggest that it's okay. Whether it's the, the vaccine skepticism or denial, whether it's fluffing Orban or Putin or openly rooting for Russia in this war, as Tucker Carlson has said he's doing, Rupert Murdoch is, is at the back of all this. He's behind it. So is it really for the money? Is it for a different purpose? I have no idea. All I know is this is one of the worst human beings that, that humanity has ever produced. You make a list of 10, he's on it. You make a list of five, he's on it. He's that bad. He's done that much damage to that many people. It's an abomination. And my hope is that this lawsuit will, you know, at least make radical change there. I don't think they're going to, it's going to cost them enough money to end it permanently. I think he's too rich for that. But, you know, it will hopefully at least get them to think twice before just spewing seditious bullshit into the discourse. Uh, enough about that monster. Actually, not enough about that monster. This is a whole Fox News episode, basically. Like I said, Kat watches the Fox News, so we don't have to. That's right in her bio. Uh, Media Matters, where she works, tremendous organization. They do fantastic work. Uh, shout out to them. We'll be right back with Kat Abugazale. He killed his son. He killed his wife. He might have killed his maid. He paid a guy to end his life, but he was too afraid. He covered up a murder for his chip off the old block. But Alex ain't so bad next to the really evil Murdoch. Rupert is the Murdoch, that's the worst. We ranked all bad Americans, Rupert came in first. Millions of conservatives are trapped under his spell. He's old, but he won't die. Why? Satan doesn't want him in hell. Pat Abugazale, welcome to the Prevail Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you because um, you, as you say in your bio, you watch um, Tucker Carlson, so I don't have to. And um, I don't. I don't watch him unless I have to. So I'm glad that you're you're out there doing uh, the, the great service. Um, you work for Media Matters for America, which is uh, MMFA, not to be confused with MMA, although there's a lot <laughs> of fighting that goes on in both. Uh, you know. So before we start uh, about you, what is Media Matters? What's the history and mission? And uh, you know, what's the purpose of the organization? Just so people unfamiliar will know. Yeah, so we're a nonprofit and we basically track dangerous narratives and misinformation. And it's not just Fox News. So for my team, we watch Fox News 
from four to 11. So we cover prime time, but uh, the rest of the organization, we have people on Alex Jones. We have a Spanish language team. We have people on Newsmax, OAN, uh, on online communities, tracking these dangerous narratives, especially the ones that the far right want to push into the mainstream. I was at a diner in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago and um, Newsmax was on the TV above the diner. And I sort of, it was almost like seeing a celebrity because I don't think I've ever seen Newsmax on a television screen before. Like I wasn't sure that it really existed. It wasn't some weird MAGA fever dream, but uh, apparently it is. So, and how did, how did you get into this line of work? You, your, your job now, you watch hours and hours of primetime Fox News so uh, are you like just a masochist? Like what, what, go, how did you get this, this job? How are you interested in doing this? The masochism helps. Uh, <laughs> I went to G <laughs> I went to George Washington university in DC. I graduated in spring 2020, right when the pandemic hit. And uh, my focus was international security, focusing on atrocities and genocide extremism. And it was that intersection between politics this extremism that I thought was so important and journalism, which I also studied, it was the perfect mix of them. So I applied and I got the job and I've been there since. So you've rolled out these TikTok videos pretty recently where you go through, we're going to talk about the content of the TikTok videos later. How, how Was it your idea to do those? Was it the, the an organizational thing? Are, are they yours or are they the, the organization? Like how did, how did that come about? Yeah, my TikTok is completely my personal account. Oh, so that's okay. Okay. my own time. Yeah, yeah. Although MMFA does a great job of, you know, I have great resources for research and my own work, which is like this weird mental library. But I decided to do them because I thought it'd be a better way to reach people. Not everyone is on political Twitter. And also a lot of people don't realize how insane Fox gets. Yeah. And so explaining things in a clear way helps people understand. I'm I'm glad you're doing them because, you know, TikTok is obviously I have two kids who are in high school and they that's what they do. They watch TikTok videos and they watch YouTube and they don't read anything. And I guess maybe sometimes they're on political Twitter, but not usually. So um, they do seem to have some idea of what's going on, though, I have to say, not and not for me. So I feel like the, it, it's really important for you to, you know, go into that territory and kind of stake your claim. So and anybody that hasn't, you know, listening that hasn't seen these, they're really great. And I'll post uh links to them on the on the show page and stuff like that. So now, okay, so you started there um, doing this, this watching the news, uh, the Fox News stuff in at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which is probably not a great mental health recipe, I'm just going to say. But uh, now that's already almost three years ago, or two and a half years ago. And a lot has happened in the in, in the United States since then. There was, I guess, an insurrection or as they call it, tourists coming to DC. And then, you know, obviously Biden becomes president. What's changed about Fox News in that time? Or has things changed? Have you noticed like in, a, in an overarching sense, is there a difference now? Well, during election seasons, whether it's general or midterms, you're definitely going to get this craze energy that's a change from other years. But I would say there's a difference from January 6, 2021 onward which was a surreal thing to experience if you live in D.C., which I do, uh, and you can see the Capitol from your rooftop, which I can. But watching it live on Fox News was even more surreal because you're watching these people in real time try to catch up to what's happening and then for the next week say this is an embarrassment or was it Antifa, was it not Antifa, and now they've more solidified this narrative and decided to double down. 
And that's just kind of allowed them to double down on even more things because the feds were cracking down on the January 6th tourists, as you said, but they're also cracking down on vaccine mandates, the IRS army. You have all these conspiracies before, but I think because some Fox viewers were there and a lot of them, whether they were there or not, support that movement, it allows these conspiracy theories to push to the mainstream and push to more shows more often. So what is the prevailing narrative now about J6 on Fox News? And is it different from some of the other stations? Is it, I mean, are they, they're just in denial or what is it now? Different hosts have different tactics. So I'd say overall it's, yes, it could be described as a riot. Yes, people were upset, but they went too far. No, it wasn't an insurrection. Sean Hannity, you know, he defends a lot of these people, but Tucker Carlson goes all in. At one point, he said it was a bunch of patriotic Americans. On the two weeks after or so, Pete Hegseth, who was there at January 6th covering it, would say a lot, you know, these are people that love capitalism. They love free markets. They thought that something was wrong in the world, and they were there to change it somewhat overboard. But overall, the narrative was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't an insurrection. And the posts that have more clout can add their own spin to that as they want. Okay. So it's really just, they're just trying to, like, if I'm a Fox News person, I'm trying to figure out a way to spin it. That's kind of the 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 bullet point. And then you just kind of run with it. Is that sort of what happens, do you think? I mean, based on what Absolutely. you've seen? Okay. So it's a great playbook. Yeah. Well, you know, they like to do this thing I've observed where they focus on like one word and parse the fuck out of the word. You know, collusion was the word for the, you know, I'm going on seven years now. There's no collusion, absolutely no collusion. But, you know, in the colloquial sense, yes, yes, there was. <laughs> but, you know, it's a word that doesn't have legal meaning. And it feels like that is one of the tactics that they take. How dare you say this? Why are you calling me racist? And then, you know, they'll take a word like woke, which was a perfectly fine word, you know, however long ago it was when it was still fine. And they'll pervert it to such a degree uh, that you can't even use it again unironically forever for the rest of time. Um, and they, I, I, I think they're really, really good at this. They're, they're good at like taking our narratives out of, uh, of commission before we even realize that we're going to have to do it. Like even the stop the steal stuff is just, you know, if, if there was a problem that we had after everything and Trump really did steal the election on January 6th, we wouldn't be able to say, we need to stop the steal because the election was stolen because he's been saying it already for the last three years. And most people would be like, eh, it's just politics. People are fighting amongst themselves, blah, blah, blah. But Greg, it sounds like you hate America. <laughs> it's, it's such a simple uh, narrative to, to, you know, to, yeah, I just, I hate America. I, I like socialist, capitalist, I mean, socialist, communist, whatever's, you know, Antifa's, I guess. I, I don't know. The Antifa thing is very, are they still on with the Antifa business and not and, and J6? Oh my god. Well, not that Antifa was a part of J6, but that Antifa is literally burning down our our cities as we speak. Like you step outside in DC and there's an Antifa super soldier to check your Vax card and make sure that you're wearing a dress if you have a penis. Um it's I hear about Antifa so much and it's just unbelievable like tucker carlson a couple weeks ago said that that's the democratic party's militia and that no other no other party in the u.s has militias which is 
extremely false. Yeah, it's that's not true at all. I, I <laughs> I've heard this narrative, you know, not not just from from you can tell when you're talking to people out in the wild and they say shit like, you know, well, you know, there's there's riots in these in these cities like Portland and Chicago, they're just burning to the ground. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Literally, what are you talking about? Yeah, New York was not burning to the ground. I mean, it just <laughs> simply it was fine. You know, <laughs> New York is fine. DC is fine. DC was fine until the fucking Proud Boys showed up. Like, you yeah. Know? Yeah. But I don't I don't understand. I mean, if you look at the, you know, kind of the racial complexion of the people that were at J6, to call it Antifa seems like kind of maybe a stretch a little bit. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Maybe. The BLM Antifa thing. I, I just. Antifa I is in everything, though. George Soros was there. He was making the call, all that stuff. He, I saw him. He was. Yeah. Um, Antifa <laughs> is also the name of the additive to the vaccine that, you know, changes your brain and leaves you susceptible to suggestions by Bill Gates. I don't know if you do that. God, that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So what's up with, and, and, and where are they now on the, the vaccine and the COVID and all that stuff? It's different for hosts once again. So Tucker yeah. is all in on being like, it's poison, blah, blah, blah. And Anna B said that the vaccines and boosters don't work as they told us. Laura Ingram does a lot of the posturing is like, as a mother, as a woman, vaccines, blah, blah, blah. Hosting the same five doctors over and over again. But uh, Jesse Waters last week admitted that he had the vaccine. He said, I probably didn't need it, but I got it. And that surprised me. He's, I think, the only primetime host from the 7 to 11 thing, from him to Laura Ingram, that's admitted to being vaccinated. He said that on 5. But it really d differs between hosts. They were really mad that Pfizer sponsored the satanic performance at the Grammys. <laughs> did Pfizer really sponsor it? Because I couldn't tell if that was true or not. Or did they? I honestly did not check i'd like 99 yeah, no, percent sure it is i saw it yeah. the night before but um it wasn't like important enough it almost felt like they were pushing too hard to make a segment on it there was no passion there there was yeah, no they're going through the motions excitement yeah, yeah they were going through the motions it was very sad yeah sam smith is not he's a lot of things but dangerous is not a word i would use to describe <laughs> him in any um my kids were laughing about it they're like wow what, this is nuts this is just silly you know he's not a satan guy it's you know who cares what he—he's not going to lead a movement of people to you know convert to the to the devil worship so much, but you know I don't know maybe he would. So yeah, because I I when the pandemic started, you know heading into it for a long time during the Trump years, I was like, what is going to penetrate the Fox News bubble? What can penetrate it? And I thought to myself, death, death by plague. There's something that will penetrate it, and uh, no, it did not. It did not penetrate it. It just, they just laughed it off, even though fucking Rupert Murdoch was one of the first human beings on planet Earth to get that vaccine. Doesn't matter. There's pictures of it. It's, and I think, aren't, don't they all have to have it to work there? Isn't that one of the things or is that not true? Yeah, that was one of the office rules for Fox and also mm -hmm. for like, I think their Patriot Awards in 2021. You had to have a vaccine to be there. One of their events, probably the Patriot Awards. Uh, I mean, they're definitely vaccinated. This is just ridiculous. Uh, nothing sincere. It's definitely disappointing, disheartening. A lot of things that a million people dying in this country is, you know, not that big of a deal. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I don't get it. The only thing that that seems to have penetrated the bubble is the Ukraine war, at least early on. It seemed like people were affected by that in a, in a negative way, despite all of Tucker's, you know, 
naked Putin fluffing. I think it was definitely, uh, you know, something that that to the point where last year at the State of the Union, um, you know, even the Republican politicians had to have the little Ukraine flags on their lapels. And I was like, that's the thing that's going to do it. Not not COVID, not grandma dying because she didn't get vaccinated. But this. okay. Um, not that I'm all for it. Great. I'm glad that people know the truth about Ukraine, but, uh, it just seemed like that isn't what I would have predicted. So, you know, very, very strange. Uh, let's talk about, I want to talk about the TikTok videos. So people, and again, I don't watch this Fox. I, I, I don't even, I don't watch non-Fox news really. I don't watch the, I don't watch MSNBC. I don't watch anything. So I'm really out of the loop with this stuff, but for the benefit of people listening who don't watch what are some of the, you know, and, and please be expansive about this because this is a long podcast. So talk as, as long as you want. Give us, give us some, some wackadoodle shit that these, that, that you've uh, come across on the, the Fox stations. There is so much. So I actually uh, was thinking about some of the craziest things that Tucker has said this year. And every Friday I do these weekly recaps. I go through the crazy shit you see during the week. So we had, Jesse Waters, who said that global warming will give you a sunburn. You've had stuff about how uh, Richard Nixon, Watergate was a setup. Um, you know, Laura Ingram just saying racist shit. It's just the same stuff every single week, but also different because it's just these one-offs that they don't always cover again, or sometimes they will double down, but like three weeks later. But this year has had a lot of great ones. My favorite probably this entire year was when Tucker Carlson said that hurricanes are a scam. <laughs> it was so unbelievably funny because he has a house in Florida that was getting pummeled by this hurricane. And he was like, you know, we all know that hurricanes are kind of a scam used by big weather on TV. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I rewinded and watched it again. And he big called weather? it a scam. Did he really? I mean, he didn't say big weather, but okay. he did say it's something they try to gin up drama on TV. And I was like, no, it's just a hurricane, man. And he's like, but this one seems legit. The one where his house is in danger, his vacation home is in danger. That one is not a scam. The rest are, but not yeah. that one. That was just one of the funniest clips I've ever seen this year. It's almost as good as uh, when we were withdrawing from Afghanistan and Will Kane opened his show by going... It's hot boy summer in Afghanistan, which is also in my top five favorite Fox clips. <laughs> so what's up with the M&Ms? Has Tucker resolved his weird latent attraction to the green M&M now? Or have they done away with the boots and the stuff? Like what, what's going on with the M&Ms? It's bizarre. Um, I was actually, so I, for about five or six months, I was at a different company called The Recount, and then I came back to Media Matters. And so when the first Eminem thing happened, I was at The Recount, and I made a video of it with like some porno music in the background. But now he's he just takes the bait every time. Maybe we take the bait at this point. He said that they were doing an investigation into Eminem's, probably for his documentary series on Fox's streaming channel, which is not great, uh, Fox Nation. And not. before, oh my God, it's so bad. It has some of the dumbest content I've ever seen in my life. But he was like, before we could finish our investigation, the M&Ms finally said, no more of these lesbian obese candies. So I'm not sure like how his wife feels about it. I'm not sure how he feels about it really deep down, but I can't imagine that his brain looks great at this point. 
Yeah, it's 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 really the inside good. of his head must be a terrifying place to live, a terrifying, sexually frustrated, very angry place to live. Yeah. We're gonna talk about him at length in the second part of this, mm-hmm. by the way. So I wanna I wanna hold off on my Tucker. Yeah, Tucker absolutely. Stuff. Uh the MMs thing I just found strange, uh, because what's you know, who cares? It's a fucking candy, and uh, I'm gonna eat it regardless. Here's a true story about M&M's. Okay, so in the 1970s, in the Associated Press, okay, there was a guy in, I believe, the Albany Bureau who was very finicky and used to buy every day for lunch a little bag of M&M's, and he would arrange them by color on his desk and then eat them, first the red ones, then the blue ones, whatever the colors were, you know. And uh, one day, he opened up the bag of M&M's, and there were no red M&M's in the bag. And he was like, why are there no red M&M's in the bag? So they did an investigative, they they looked into the story, and that's how AP broke the news story that the red M&Ms had that bad dye in it or whatever, and, and M&Ms had quietly just not, you know, gotten rid of the red color without telling anybody. That's so, so crazy. True story. Well, you're too young to to, to remember that, but the, the one AP reporter who happened to be finicky about his candy uh, broke that story. <laughs> so that's a real story about M&Ms that actually is relevant and has, you know, and but what Tucker's going on about is just complete silliness. So- is there a formula that you've seen now? You've been watching this for a while. Is it just, you know, are there certain like points that they know are going to, you know, like anything that could conceivably be on Hunter Biden's laptop? Yeah, we're going to do that. Or there's some stories that I see, like I'll see a headline when it breaks and I'm like, that's going to be a Fox thing. It completely, this job shifts how you see the news because you get your news. But then you're like, that's a Fox thing. They're not going to even touch that. That's like an accomplishment or something good. They are not even going to acknowledge it, not even a ticker. And uh, so, you know, anything that has China, anything that has Zelensky, um, lots of culture war stuff. You know, we all know they love their culture war stuff. But I've noticed hosts cleaving on to, or, you know, latching on to different culture wars the war on christmas this last december was almost entirely carried by jesse waters um tucker has his m&ms laura ingram has slushing people on tiktok hannity starts a sentence again halfway through his first sentence so you know he's kind of he seems like the dumbest one of the bunch is that is that true or is that would you think i stand by that he is it's almost impossible to transcribe him because every time I'm not kidding, every time he starts a sentence like five words in, he starts another sentence. So it's just a bunch of M dashes. And he always ends up at a completely different place than where he started. Interesting. I mean, because I remember thinking, well, this guy, you know, he has to be, he's, you know, on TV, he's got this job, he's popular. I don't <laughs> like him, but people like him clearly because he's he must be kind of you know faking this and then i read like the text messages that he was with manafort and i'm like he really believes all this dumb shit he's really that stupid and uh yeah it, it sort of blew my mind a little he's stupid enough for a cia pen while he's talking about the deep state <laughs> sean hannity was it the the culinary institute of america it wasn't that cia it was the other was the real CIA. Okay. Yeah, absolutely was not the Culinary Institute of America. That'd be way better. I'd actually respect that. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, he likes a good good steak or something, but I don't know. So as we're recording this, it's February 7th. I don't know when this is going to run, but a couple of weeks from now. So um, we are at the, uh, the balloon story broke, popped, I guess. So I was actually in Germany last week. So I 
it was kind of fun because 99 Love Balloons by Nina was trending and I was in Germany and that's like <laughs> the only German pop song ever to come over to the United States. But um, so because that's a recent example, let's talk about that, like how the anatomy of that story. I'm sure when as soon as you saw it, you were like, oh, God damn, they're going to run with this. So what is it about that story that makes it such a big deal? Like, I think I know, but what's your take on it? Look, the story has everything. You've got CCP paranoia, talking about China, trying to invade us. You've got talking about the woke military, because all these people, last night we had a guest on that said, uh, not we, they had a guest on that said that the military's job is to kill people and break things. And so they want all of that, but instead we have this woke military that talks about white rage, like Mark Milley. You know, it's very bad. There are probably trans people in there or pregnant women. So you can rail on about that. And then you can talk about how Biden wants to sabotage the country because he let a balloon into our country. Personally, I think it's great that he didn't shoot down like a half ton balloon above civilian populations. But that's just me. Um, I mean, it was over a red state. So why not? But no, but uh, I'm joking, of course. The No. And then I think they disrupted it. They took it out of commission. They studied it. And then as soon as it was safe, they shot at that. So which is any reasonable person. I guess it's also funny because the balloon had to fucking drift across the entire United States before they could shoot it down. And therefore, it was just in it was in the news as long as it remained in the sky. I guess. Right. Well, it's and, still uh, in the news. They're still talking about it. That was every monologue last night. And look, I'm not an intelligence official, so I kind of trust those guys on what they're saying. I'm going to let them worry about that. You know, I, I, yeah. I can't do anything about the balloon. I'll let them worry about that. I'll take over talking about Tucker and anime. They can handle <laughs> the balloon. I just think it's funny, like, how many of these people, like, who carry on about the balloon go and look at TikTok videos about it or make TikTok videos about it, which is, you know that's it that's like you have a cell phone that has a chinese app on it guys if they want to spy on you they're going to spy on you using the, your own phone and not the balloon that's like fifty thousand feet above the ground maybe i'm just well that was on ingram last night uh it was described as a balloon in your house tiktok so <laughs> which is just like an objectively silly sentence whatever you think about it um <laughs> balloon is such a silly word She's really awful. She's just awful. I can't decide which one is the most. No, Tucker's the most awful. Um, we're going to talk about Tucker, but we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Kat Abuguzali. Okay, we're back with Kat Abuguzali. We got to talk about Tucker. You've been watching Tucker now for two and a half years bless your heart. Um, and I've done a couple of pieces on him. I've done deep dives on him. He's kind of a fascinating figure in my mind for a lot of different reasons. I became aware of him back in the nineties when he was on Crossfire. He was, um, I was thinking it was still in college. I did. And, uh, he was sort of one of the um, conservatives on that show, kind of young, you know, that's during the era where he wore the bow tie, that he's still kind of famous for, even though he hasn't worn one in a long, long time. And uh, the appeal at the time was, oh yeah, you could, you know, he's he's, he's smart. Uh, he's obviously very smart. He's funny. He talks well. He's a good arguer. He's a good debater in that sort of collegiate debate kind of sense. And like, you kind of got the sense that he was sensible that, you know, he would make the argument, but if your argument was better, he'd be like, yeah, all right, you know, maybe you win that one. Like, he, he, he didn't seem like an ideologue to me at the time. 
Um, so that's my first impression of him, which has obviously changed quite a bit in the intervening years. So um, you're much younger. When did you become aware of Tucker Carlson initially? And what was your first impression of him? Oh, that's such a good question. I grew up in Texas in a conservative family. So Fox News was on, my parents watched a lot of things, but Fox News was on just, you know, restaurants everywhere. I knew that Tucker was there, but I didn't really pay attention to him a lot. My parents weren't big on watching opinion shows. Um, I would say I just thought the bow tie was kind of weird. It reminded me of Bill Nye, but he didn't pull it off as well. (laughs) So that was probably when I was like in middle school. And I just remember seeing that bow tie and going, it doesn't look as good on him as it does in our VHS tapes of Bill Nye. Well, that is true. I mean, it does. Does anybody else wear a bow tie? There's, there's Tucker Carlson, Bill Nye. I can't think Ted of Ted Danson any... in The Good Place. Okay, Ted Danson in The Good Place. I mean, people that were... I don't even know if tuxedos nowadays, which with which length of tie you go with, because it used to be there was bow tie, then you had the long tie. It was like the opposite of whatever they were doing in Downton Abbey they had to, they had to do in real life. Um, anyway, so um, he seemed to be right now like, He's way, way, way more ideological, um, or at least that's his what he presents on television than he ever was before. Not so much. I mean, the the, the shit about the M and M's and stuff is is fun. I'm really concerned about the the Orban stuff, the Putin stuff, where he just goes on TV and just defends what Putin's doing in Ukraine, either overtly or maybe a little more couchedly, but. I think he said, you know, at certain intervals that he's rooting for Russia against Ukraine. And why wouldn't he? He's a big, you know, booster of Viktor Orban, who, um, you know, according to testimony by one of Mogilevich's guys, was a bag man for the Russian mob. And then they sort of installed him in, in Hungary. And he's been trying to do the kind of power takeover while maintaining semblance of democracy. Um, fascism experts that I've had on the show, like Bryn Tannehill, are like, yeah, Orban in Hungary is where America is going on the current path. So the fact that you have Tucker and CPAC, you know, really, really boosting what Hungary is doing is really dangerous. So why do you think he does this? I mean, I and I, I don't want to get you in trouble, but like, um, is it a recent tilt in the last couple of years, do you think? Or, or even in the last six months, like since the war? Or has he always been like this? What's your take on all that? Definitely since before Ukraine, Tucker has been supporting stuff like this. That's how I was almost certain that the Putin thing, that he was going to go and lean towards Putin because he had been talking about Orban and Bolsonaro and stuff like that. It's very weird because you might remember in, I believe, 2018, before I was at MMFA, Tucker said that immigrants make our country dirtier and poorer and he lost pretty much all of his advertisers besides the ones that he has today, which are all erectile dysfunction pills and my pillow and um, that weird like cup holder thing that always advertises on Fox. But he doesn't have any of the big advertisers anymore. And it was because of that clip. But he is saying far worse things than that on like a nightly basis over the last two or three years. But no one really there are no consequences like that. He already lost all the advertisers. It doesn't seem to shock people anymore. That one quote was like, oh my God. But last week he said that MSNBC was trying to ignite a race war. So when it comes to these authoritarians, he's been talking about Viktor Orban for a while. He said at one point that Hungary has a much freer press than the United States. He paints this alternate reality. He talks about architecture a lot, how the brutalism in DC is indicative of our moral downside as a nation. 
but he just, I think he likes these men because he doesn't believe in democracy. Yeah. He doesn't believe in the power of democracy. He doesn't believe in people having their own agency and living in a way that's different than what he imagines. Yeah. It's very, very strange. The whole thing. I don't, uh, cause he didn't, he didn't used to be that way. Like in the nineties, he didn't used to be that way. And if you talk to people that knew him or have been on his show before or work with him, he's apparently a nice guy. As far as that goes, like he's nice to his guests. He treats everybody kindly. I've never heard like a Tucker Carlson sexual harassment claim or anything like that. He's not, um, O'Reilly, you know, who's getting in trouble all the time with that, with that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, he has this side of him that's totally normal. What I wonder is like how authentic and, and not so much just in that topic, but just in general, how authentic does he, does he appear? I mean, does his anger, his rage, his grievance, does it strike you as authentic or do you think he's, it's just performative or somewhere in between? Absolutely not. There is nothing authentic about him or his performances. He has things that he wants to say that he can't. Uh, like he can't say overall how much he loves Alex Jones, but he can throw off these little one-liners about how Alex Jones is actually a better reporter than all of CBS and MSNBC and CNN. But it's not really authentic. These performative things that he says about the love of a family or about how the country is falling apart because we're giving certain people more rights. There's all of this rage, but it's so carefully constructed and it's gotten worse over the last years. I was noticing the other day, his laugh is so much more manic mm, than it was yeah. in 2020. And I have my collection of videos that I made on Tucker. I call it the real time jokerfication of Tucker Carlson because <laughs> that's what it looks like. I see him just sliding into this descent of madness and very he very rarely loses control but every once in a while he does last week two weeks ago he absolutely lost it over gas stoves over um how they're replacing toilets and all of these various things i couldn't even follow the thread i had to keep backing up and re-watching and I haven't seen him like that in a while where he just absolutely lost it. He went over time. He cut his guests off by like three minutes. Um, but it's all it's all fake. That laugh of his is fake. The way he makes jokes is fake. The way he expresses emotion is fake. I don't know anything real about Tucker Carlson. I don't understand why people buy into it. I know that everyone has something that they will buy into, whether it's a scam or a grift or a cult. But I don't get why you would buy a Tucker Carlson. Nothing about him is genuine. Yeah, there is a there is an authenticity problem there. Um, thank you because you've given me the title for this episode, which is real-time jokerfication of Tucker Carlson. That's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. good stuff. That's good stuff right there. Um, no, the, I, I I do understand his appeal, I, I think, like because he there are certain people, uh, Bernie Sanders is this way, um, even Trump to some degree is this way where when they start talking because of the cadence and the way that they express themselves and the inner confidence or something, you sort of just nod along and listen, even if they don't actually know what they're talking about. And sometimes it takes you a while to realize that they're, you know, completely full of shit. It's a, there's a delivery mechanism that's so, um, what, whatever it, it, it hits the right uh, notes with what we're, we've been trained since birth to regard as someone with a voice of authority. And I think he has that to some degree, 
um, or he's cultivated it enough, you know, over the over the years, because he used to be kind of an iconoclast a little bit and kind of a, a pain in the ass to the establishment kind of gonzo journalist type of guy. But on the right, you know, he he's a guy that grew up listening to he was a deadhead. You know, he's it's which is also there's a lot of right wing deadheads. Very strange. I don't I don't get that either. I think they I don't know if they just weren't listening or paying attention or what, but um, that's kind of weird. Uh, but my other question, I think you probably already answered. Does he ever get personal at all on the show? Does he reveal anything about himself personally? The last personal thing I can remember Tucker Carlson revealing was on his talk show on the streaming service Fox Nation. And he talked about how he saw an alien when he was in high school. He saw a UFO. But besides that, there's nothing really personal. I mean, Laura Ingram will talk about her kids wanting to download TikTok and she won't let them or making them do chores. Sean Hannity will talk about his sensei. Jesse Waters will talk about his kids. Tucker doesn't really do that. He yeah, talks about the that. idea of marriage and family and sanctity of life and stuff, all of these concepts. And he'll say, you know, I love my family. I would do anything for my family. But that's pretty much the extent that he goes. And it's always in this voice that is so performative. Uh, the only time that I really see that mask even shift a little bit is when he has animals on the show. Like last <laughs> week, they talked about baby skunks. And he actually seemed to enjoy doing that segment. But overall, it's just he's going through the motions. He knows the things to say. He knows how to say it. Like you said, the delivery mechanism. And that's the thing I don't get. I get why certain people would like his message. But listening to him, sometimes when he really gets into it, it's like an instant migraine. I don't understand. It's like the adults in the peanuts just womp, 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 womp. Yeah. And I don't understand the appeal, but yeah, I, he, does, he doesn't become vulnerable at all. He doesn't show anything about his personal life, not even like his own interests, not even like, oh, I went and played golf today or he says sometimes when he has like a lumberjack on the show, he'll be like, I love being outdoors, but that's it. Wow. That's, that's a hot take. Go, yeah. Hot, outdoors, out, real outdoorsman. It was the video. He's a real of him. special guy. He's yeah. not like other guys. Yeah. So he doesn't talk about his dad. Yeah. Dick. No. It never comes up. Nope. So, and it should come up because, you know, Dick Carlson, kind of an important Washington insider for a long, long time, kind of <laughs> maybe was on the advisory board with the government of Hungary for a little while. Um, you know, longtime Voice of America guy that was, you know, basically in charge of messaging. So he learned a lot, I think, from his dad in that in that respect. And I think they he sees them all the time. Like they're still pretty close. Does he talk about his son, Buckley? He does not. Does he talk about Jim Banks at all or? The, you know who you know. nope he didn't even mention that I, yeah i don't think he mentioned that at all when that entire thing was going down but he seemed really pissed off for like three days but he doesn't mention his like his kids names or anything or that he has like these are the genders and ages of my children he yeah. doesn't even do that or when my kid was a baby blah 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 yeah he's uh yeah i mean i was thinking that even like on j6 like his son presumably was there you know, I, I I would think worked in the office of the unless he was out to lunch or something. I don't know. Uh, you think he would have some more personal. But I don't know. You know, Mike Pence was there, too, and they tried to kill him. And now enough time has gone by and he's back on the team. He's He got it out of his system. And I guess that's how it goes. Um, does he talk about the pimp that he is friends with the dead pimp? Nope. 
No, it doesn't talk about the dead pimp. This is the guy that he's dead now. Hoff. He died in, uh, in he was from Nevada and he was running for office and he died. And then Republicans voted for the dead pimp instead of the Democrat, because that's what yeah. Republicans do. That doesn't talk about that doesn't talk about his mom, obviously, but I can understand why that he wouldn't. Yeah. 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 He does. He's never mentioned his mother as far as I know. I think that. When John Oliver did that special just about Tucker Carlson, I was really glad that it came out because I could just send it to people I know instead of when they're asking me all these questions about Tucker, like my friends, I was like, hey, watch this first and then ask me the question because it gives you a lot of background. And you know, he talks about how Tucker just failed upwards into his job. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be on television. No. It was a complete coincidence because he was just like the guy there and he was a white man. And all right. And that's just kind of his whole story, just failing upwards, and it's become more and more calculated at each step. He's really a, a writer who wound up on TV, you know, which I yeah. get that. I get that. I'm a, I have a YouTube show, you know, and I'm a writer. I'm not a moon. Uh, <laughs> but now he's commanding this enormous uh, platform, and it's very, very strange. And uh, for the benefit of anybody listening that doesn't know, Tucker Carlson's mother, when he was six years old, just abandoned the family. And... Uh, you know, basically looked at Tucker and his brother and was like, yeah, I'm done now. And um, they lived in California at the time in Southern California where his father was working. And um, she moved to France, man. She didn't even stay in the country. And um, the the scuttlebutt out of that camp is, oh, she was crazy and she was artsy and all this kind of stuff. And but, you know, she had a, she got married again and all, all this kind of stuff. And when she died in the will, she left the two brothers one dollar each which, you know, is basically the equivalent of two middle fingers sticking up from, you know, it's like in the Taylor Swift song, right? We're yeah. laughing up at you from hell. Yeah, that's it. That, that That's what it's about. So there's some weird stuff going on there where the mother maybe knew that this guy was really, really bad. And, you know, she was out and she wasn't going to be able to change it. So I don't know. It's it's, it's very, very strange. Where do you think it's going to go with him? You think that you, you talked about the, the, the jokerification and the maniacal laughter. And obviously he's... The, the stuff that he's disseminating now with, with A, the anti-vax shit and, and all of that kind of questioning science and B, this the Putin di dictatorial uh, boosting is all really, really dangerous to the survival of A, democracy and B, the people that live in the country and especially the people that watch this damn show. So is it, you think a case of it ramping up to the point where it explodes? Do you think the Dominion thing is going to, shutter fox news to some degree do you think murdoch is going to get tired of not having big advertisers on there and be like tone it down like what do you think is going to happen i mean it's a very weird symbiotic relationship between murdoch and tucker because you have murdoch who knows that a lot of people tune in just to watch tucker because they think that he's great i mean he's the face of their streaming platform he has three shows in total he has his nightly show he has his talk show and he does these documentaries on like cattle mutilations and transgender people and tanning your balls yeah. And then Tucker knows if he left, the reason his show is so popular is because he got O'Reilly's slot. Yeah. When yeah. you get down to it, that's why it's so popular. It's the best slot to have. And his ratings are high. He has managed to keep that audience, but I'm not sure they would follow him to another platform. Yeah. Um, and certainly not as much as he would at Fox. And he could certainly be more extreme. And that's another thing is that he's taken on this pro smoking stance and he started talking about like the green M&M &M more and stuff like that. And I think it's because 
he realized he's kind of played all of the cards he can for the moment. Once you hit race four on the largest cable news channel in the country, it's kind of hard to go farther than that before yeah. hitting like Holocaust denial. And so when he wants to play that card, he'll have to do it strategically. And so he's trying to take, and no one cares anymore. When he talks about pro smoking, they're like, oh, it's just Tucker being an idiot. Yeah. No one really cares as much anymore because he already hit the race war ceiling. He already hit the call bomb threats into children's hospitals ceiling. And so the only time he really gets in trouble is not really getting in trouble. It's just helping people mobilize to fight against the people storming a drag queen story hour or a children's hospital. It's not really about Tucker anymore. It's about the people that he inspires. It's like um, one of these shows where the, the stakes get raised too high too fast. Yeah. Like I mean, you jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Scandals are really was a really good show, but it got once you get if it's a show about the president and there's an assassination attempt, you can't. That's it. Yeah. You know, that that's that's the end game. Can't do that in season one, man. You know, you got to build to it. So the council card should have ended end of season three, hitting the desk. That's it. Yeah, that's uh, he, he's going too far. So that's an interesting point, though, about him leaving and who like I wonder who like if literally anybody could just do that job in that time slot if they just came there and, and ranted and raved a bit. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they're going to put Jesse Waters there. I would just like to say that I think I could definitely become a right-wing grifter, especially on Fox News. I know all the buttons to push. I was raised with this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to make money that way. I mean, look at these people, ones that are like, I switched from being a lefty to like asking questions. And they just make, Glenn Greenwald makes so much money, but you got to be lame. Yeah, but he... He lives in Brazil and, you know, I don't know what's going to wind up happening with that guy. But yeah, no, he's fucking disappointment, that guy. But yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's what happens. I think they people get greedy and they get tired of not having attention paid to them. And they're like, the other side is like he says in Casablanca. Yes, but the other side pays much more, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what it is. So uh, interestingly, I, I have a Jesse Water, Waters question because that's how I wanted it. Because I don't understand his appeal uh, at, at all. He just seems like kind of dumb as a post and does he still do that thing where his mother calls in and and tells him he's wrong or is that was that just a... no he doesn't still do that but he sometimes mentions her okay um what what's the deal with him like why is he appealing i understand jesse's appeal more than tucker's appeal honestly at least in the delivery aspect i think jesse is willfully stupid i think mm. that in another timeline he could have been like an actually like decent guy or you know decently smart guy I don't see the complete lack of emotion that I do with Tucker. Like there's no real sociopathy for like lack of a better word of just like this weird distance from any human aspect. He talks about his kids a lot. He talks about how much he loves his wife, the one whose tires he slashed while he was still married to someone else. But his the main appeal is he's probably like the most conventionally attractive person at Fox, at least in terms of the younger talent. And he's got like this frat boy delivery. So as Andrew Lawrence, my coworker, my manager at MMFA calls him a human Jaeger bomb. And that's his appeal to some people. They just love it. And it's like, this is a guy that can get down with us. Well, you know, shotgun a few beers in this imaginary scenario where Jesse Waters hangs out in our town and uh, talk about how the FBI created QAnon, which is definitely real, but also somehow created by the FBI and is a trap. 
I don't understand how that all comes together, but maybe when the balloon lands and they finally collect the data, it'll it'll figure, you know, reveal itself. All the secrets yeah. will be revealed. I wouldn't that's and thank you for for explaining that because it's not it's not how I regard him, but uh maybe I'm just not I'm just not the target audience, man. I'm just not, you know, who 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 the Jesse uh, waters people are going for. Um, by the way, I was in Germany last week and I can tell you a recommendation. If you're going to have Jägermeister, you have to have it ice cold or you put it in, um, in hot chocolate and then quote, it tastes like Christmas. That was the recommendation I got. So I've never had that in hot chocolate, but I did always make sure when I was a bartender to keep it cold. Yeah. You got to keep it cold. It's, it's the thing to do. So Okay, that was my Jesse. Yeah, that was the Jesse Waters question. I but I wonder who the worst possible person they could get, or what's the the least common denominator person they could throw into that time slot and still get like a you know a decent rating out of it. If 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 they could do like the chat AI thing for right wing dipshittery, and just you know, an animate carbon rod, maybe a talking M M&M, and M, maybe that's the word. That's literally just Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> that's Tulsi Gabbard's entire vibe as a person. Is yeah. just that AI, um, yeah. yeah. And when they put her in on that show, that's exactly how I like. She's so boring to watch, but you have all these Republicans that are like, "Oh, Tulsi's here to tell us why the Democrats are bad." I could see them putting her in that slot. Um, I have some nightmares of who I would have to monitor every night, but Tulsi, she'd be boring, but she wouldn't be a nightmare. Who would Who would be a nightmare? Brian Kilmeade oh, is God, so. Dumb. He's so fucking stupid. Sorry, he's so stupid. You can say and, fucking uh, on the show. It's okay, totally awesome. Fun. Yeah, he's so fucking yeah. stupid. Like, he's just unbelievably stupid. I don't like when Will Kane guest hosts. Trey Gowdy is boring. He's got the appeal of, like, a slug physically yeah. and spiritually. Yeah, he's kind of gross to look at. I don't I don't know that he I would want to look at him, like, really ever yeah. again. In fact, you say the name and I sort of recoil <laughs> behind my desk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, not, not fun. Those are my three, probably. Those are your three. Yeah, kill me would be that would be terrible. Not that I would be. I'm not going to watch anybody, no matter who it is, anyway. But I wonder if the, well, I'll tell you about it on TikTok. I know it's going to be good. Okay, so where? What are your channels? You're 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 on Twitter. You're on TikTok. Tell everybody where we can find you. Uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. So I'm doing more. Um, I'm doing short videos on TikTok this year, which is a new thing with explainers, and then I'm also doing longer form videos on my YouTube as well as I have an archive there of all of my Twitter videos, which are like super cuts and comparative videos. Okay. And where do we, what, what's your handle on these things? Is it the same? Uh, TikTok and YouTube is Kat M. Abu, A-B-U. And then my Instagram is Katie Abu, K-A-T-I-E Abu. Okay. Um, so everybody got to check that out. Uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know you just, uh, you just, oh, wait, I know what I forgot to ask you. The thing at the beginning when you were editing um, is the <laughs> Mike Huckabee, <laughs> Mike Huckabee has a, has a homeschooling program. Uh, Mike Huckabee's fascist homeschooling program. Tell us about Mike Huckabee's fascist homeschooling program. Oh, I'm going insane. I'm literally going insane. I don't know when this is going to go out, but I have been editing this fucking video for i'm on like hour eight since i like filmed it mm. and editing it because i took extra takes for everything just in case he has a fascist homeschooling program like a christo fascist homeschooling program and he gets you into it by having you 
like advertising these kids guides on Fox and their little magazines. You have the kids guide to fighting socialism. You got the kids guide to Christmas in America. You got the kids guide to President Trump. And I really wanted the kids guide to fight socialism. So I got it. And I learned you can get a digital copy when you get that. It's also, they say it's free. It's not free. It's a dollar for shipping. And then they make you pay another dollar for another fascist magazine for kids. So it's $2. And then if you don't cancel it within 30 days, you give Mike Huckabee $20. Because it's a subscription that you don't realize you signed up for. But he, like, he lures you in with those. And then you have all these online resources. And they're like these really horribly animated videos with sleep paralysis demons. Abraham Lincoln... But if he was a nightmare or George Washington, but if he was in a horror movie, they're just horrible. I can't, I know I'm just repeating myself. I fucking hate my Huckabee. I hate this homeschooling program. And they just talk about how America is amazing and God made America special. It's manifest destiny, but 2023, uh, they never mention like Islam or Hinduism or literally anything else. Just separation of church and state is bad and Judeo-Christian values are good but we don't really mention Jewish people at all. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the Kid's Guide to President Trump, uh, the Kid's Guide to Fighting Socialism in America, which has a page that literally says, capitalism good, socialism bad, and then the Kid's Guide to One Nation Under God are the ones that I have been reading and the videos I have been watching. And I'm not sure I'm going to be the same person by the time I'm done. Okay, as long as you don't go to the dark side, uh, I think you're okay. I mean... No, I already went to the dark side when I was a kid. I grew up on the dark side, so I'm good now. Okay, okay. Um, so this is really the last question because I think it's important. When I I have my my Substack, and on Sunday I write about poems and stories and movies and like artistic things. I saw on Twitter that you're now um, going to museums in DC and you're doing a a tour of museums in DC. Because so I was going to ask, what do you do to get your mind off all this horrible fuckery? And the answer apparently is that you're going to go to all these museums. So how did that idea happen? And and what are your favorite museums there? Yeah. So I love like being super organized. I have a planner with all my goals for the year and the month and the week and the day. And so when I was looking at goals for the year, I was thinking I'd love to go back to all the Smithsonian's. I hadn't been to all of them, I realized, because I'd never been to the American Indian Museum and a couple others. But then I thought, why not every museum in D.C.? There are a lot more. Mm -hmm. Then I knew like little tiny ones here and there, uh, the Clara Barton missing soldiers office museum. That was like this tiny one that I saw my favorite museum in DC though, probably is the postal museum. It's the best Smithsonian in my opinion. If you haven't been next time you go to DC, absolutely go. It's history through the lens of the post office and it makes it easy to digest because Smithsonian's are so vast. It's a lot to, look at to engage with the postal museum is a great mix between history and a well-curated collection okay that's i i've never even heard of that because i've been at the smithsonian a bunch of times um i always like the air and space you know the portrait gallery mm -hmm. is nice the one which which one has the pendulum in it i can't remember that one's always and space or natural no, history no, it's one of the other I ones can't i can't remember either. i used to do natural history museum sleepovers like i'd be a chaperone at them during the summer in college Oh, that's for, fun. They do that as for kids, but the Postal Museum is right next to Union Station. It rocks. Okay. Does Forge Theater count as a museum? Yes, that is on my list. 
Worst Theater is fantastic. We, we I haven't there. been to that one. Yeah, my son, when he was younger, was obsessed with the Lincoln assassination. So we went to uh, to Ford's Theater and uh, it's great. It's, it's you know, because you really feel it when you're in there. You're like something really devastatingly important happened. In this really? Room. Yeah. And then the the there's the theater and then the building next to it, which is kind of the administrative thing. There's a spiral staircase, I guess, and or, or big open to thing that's several stories high. And there's a pile of books stretching up three stories in the air. That's basically every book written about Abraham Lincoln. Every time a new one, they just add it to the pile and it just goes on for forever because there's That's been so, so many cool. things written about him and, and uh, you know, he's so cool. So um, anything else that, that people should be doing who are tired of watching Tucker and, you know, and, and thinking about all this, this horror, do you, do you have any advice? <laughs> Don't watch. I have a lot of people that, tell me you know i turned on tucker to like watch with you and i'm you're not being paid for this don't watch this i promise you like you don't have to watch this you shouldn't watch this unless you're being paid for it or that's like really your thing but i actually i had someone ask me the other day how i don't get really sad all the time and i was just thinking you know every time i get mad about something or it i see someone stand up for someone else or whatever it makes everything seem worth it. it makes it seem like it matters and so just that defeatist idea is such a bummer if you're watching fox like that we all get into that slump uh but i'd say don't watch fox unless you're being paid for it and think about why this stuff matters because it does when i yeah, post clips it it's not to endorse something people are like you're giving him a platform he has the largest cable news show in the country i'm not the one giving him a platform it's an alarm bell. I say this all the time. I am pounding an alarm and I'm begging people to listen. There you have it. And uh, I am grateful to you for doing this job. Um, I'm glad you're getting paid. Whatever you're paid, it's not enough, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, for the service to uh, to fucking democracy, man, you know, we appreciate what, what you're doing. Um, anybody that doesn't follow you, follow you. The videos are really good. This new TikTok series is particularly good because they're short and they're funny and they're also horrifying. It's like a horror movie that's funny. It's like Rosemary's Baby or something. It's kind of funny, <laughs> but, you know, or the Happy Death Day. I don't know. One, one of these things. Um, so this has been terrific. Thanks so much for taking the time. Katabu Ghazali, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Honestly, thank you. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossa. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Akuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kanai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail. MSW.